0: You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast.
1: Hey, Maddie, how was your trip? Oh my god, Jesse, it was just eye-opening. In what way? Well, um, you know, when... I don't know, you've you've definitely traveled abroad, so maybe you've experienced something similar, but, like, when you go to another country and they're just better than America in so many ways, especially, like, um everybody's got nationalized healthcare. So that was just stunning and um, brave. And what it was, you know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, so I was in Scotland and I was in Ireland and Scotland at least has, uh, cause they're part of the UK, which is amazing. And I love that they're all still together as one. Um, just God bless the British. <laughs> um They've got nationalized healthcare, care, and um, it's just, it clearly works perfectly, and it's just very harmonious, and it's clearly better to what we have here at home. So I just, I really like these opportunities when I go abroad and see how much better everyone else is to America. Better than America? Yeah. So you
0: basically are a socialist now.
1: Well, I wouldn't like to say socialist, but I might be more of like a democratic socialist because I think that if everybody votes on it, then that means it's right, right? I mean, Uh, I just never thought of it like that before. Maddie, did
0: something happen while you were gone?
1: Uh, Well, there was a traumatic brain injury. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenge while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. So
0: how was how was your trip actually?
1: It was good. Um so I was gone for almost two weeks. Thanks for holding down the fort. I uh, just finished listening to your interview with the teacher this morning. Sorry, I'm so behind. I'm behind on everything. But um, so it was great. I was gone for almost two weeks. Uh, the first part of my trip, uh, for anybody you know else, but I know you know because we were talking the whole time. But so my sister and I went to Scotland for a few days. And then towards the end of that week, we met up with the rest of our family on our family vacation in Ireland, something that we've been talking about for well over a decade, so, (laughs) finally got around to it, and yeah, no, it was great. Um, Good, perfect Irish weather, very rainy and cold in Scotland, but since everybody was dying in heat waves back home, Mm -hmm. I was definitely appreciative for the break.
0: Yes, it's been, well, we had a cool, we actually had, in Tennessee, we had like a a weird bout of weather while you were gone where it was a little bit cool and I was kind of thinking about you I was like man I wonder if Scotland's coming over here because it was like when I was waking up in the morning it was like 50 degrees outside it was actually pleasant
1: oh yeah like I was wearing layers and long sleeves and boots and scarves I mean I kind of really liked it I'm not going to lie I uh, definitely couldn't stand it 100% of the time It was, uh, comparative to, you know, if you spent time in the Pacific Northwest, or even Maryland last summer, I thought we were living in the Pacific Northwest, because it didn't stop raining, um, but it was funny, like, for any of you Outlander people, of course, that was one of the things that enticed me about Scotland, other than it's a beautiful country, um, very rich in history, and, uh, a lot of Harry Potter Easter eggs over there, too, which, huge nerd, obviously, um... (laughs) But, so, I was thinking about it. I was like, God, I don't know how... Was Claire ever dry? Because it was just nonstop rain. And, you know, they don't have... Back in the 1700s, you know, you don't have a nice little Starbucks to pop into if it's raining and you need to get out of that. So, definitely made me appreciative for what I have here, now, in this country, and this time, obviously.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um... Do you think, I know, I went to England back in, like, I think it was 1996, so it's been a long time, but I do remember being in England, and on the last day, I was like, I get to go back to America. I was, like, so happy to come back, <laughs> and it wasn't that it was bad. It was just, you know, I missed some of the creature comforts of living in America,
1: No, definitely. I was feeling the same thing, and honestly, there was even a time during the week where I was so exhausted from traveling, and I was just so kind of grumpy and fed up with, you know, not being surrounded by American customs and standards, I'll say, and I don't know. It was just, I was kind of over it, and I actually looked online to see what... (laughs) The fee would be for me to change my flights and come home early. But also, I was coming home on a Sunday from a two-week adventure abroad and then not properly taking off the Monday afterwards. What was I thinking? That was (laughs) uh, a very uh, Enneagram type one of me to just expect that I could do everything. Um, But yeah, no, I was definitely ready to come home. um, And ugh, don't even, doesn't even count, like, how annoying the customs process was to get back in the States, and that, even aside, just traveling is exhausting. Yeah. So being abroad, being anywhere, living out of a suitcase or a backpack in my case, that was rough, and, um, of course, all by choice, you know, like, that's what makes you appreciate perfect vacations don't get remembered as much as the, the imperfect times. Um, so I think it was all, all overall a very great trip, but I was definitely ready to come home. And, um, you know, I'll say that I think my, my greatest degree of patriotism that I might feel and, or like have to express in some way might be honestly, when I'm the person abroad. And it's not that I don't appreciate other countries' cultures and the differences that uh, impact their day-to-day life and their customs and their daily routines and just how they set up everything. It's like I'm, it's that part, that's that logical part of my brain that wants to have the most efficient, uh, shortest line, quickest solution that I think we've nailed that better than I'll say anywhere else I've ever been. And maybe that's a really general thing for me to say, really broad statement, but I feel like it's easier to understand that idea of American exceptionalism when you're abroad.
0: Yeah, so um I guess kind of give can you kind of give some examples of just the the difference the in the mentality of people in Ireland and Scotland from, an a typical American, if there well, is such a thing,
1: yeah. And so, well, I, yeah, exactly. Like what, what is that? And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm pretty run of the mill, average, average American girl, right? I don't know. Um, I never had an American girl doll though, so I don't know if that really counts or not. But um, so. <laughs> just one thing that I think like an overall difference in uh, standards maybe would be the restaurant industry and so I've gotten in arguments with people before, not arguments but like discussions with people before about how you know at least servers or um, wait staff in other countries they're paid a quote unquote living wage and that's great and and really like okay so okay great that's a great idea let's see how it's implemented and then it's implemented and you get subpar service because they have no incentive to be better to be quicker to be more efficient themselves to do anything back for the business that's providing them this wage yeah. You know, bless their hearts all very friendly lovely people but it was like can we kind of move on here like I've got things to do I want to go spend more money in your country and so it's something I experienced while I was living in Chile too and it's just a very American thing of us to want the immediate outcome we are definitely spoiled that we can get things almost instantaneously and it's you know, and so it's all about, I think, finding a balance as to needing things in the moment and, you know, maybe being okay with delaying your gratification of that need or that want. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I could not be satisfied with the pace of a country where that's just one example of how kind of the rest of their structure works in that when I say like American exceptionalism I mean like it's just like exceptional as in different we're Mm -hmm. the exception you know we're not the rule we are the exception and so that is what puts us apart from other people and so it's just I don't know without sounding too like rah rah hooray red white and blue Yeah, I just it 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 makes you more appreciative for being at home, and there's really no place like home. And oh, I've lived abroad, I've lived abroad, and I've traveled abroad a ton. But you know what? I'm very happy to be home. I'm very grateful for where I live, what I do, and that I do that I am a part of this country. That I might rag against the government (laughs) uh, most of my time. Uh, I do, re- I remember,
0: especially when I was in England, um, and that was a long time ago, but it was kind of the similar thing with the wait staff. I remember being so frustrated with them because they would hardly ever come to, you know, refill your drinks or see if you needed anything else, and it was just kind of like, I don't understand what we're doing here. Like, I could, like, why don't we just have, like, a buffet then? Like, I just couldn't I like...
1: It. If that's what we're doing here, like, let's just have a buffet, and maybe you don't have to pay those people at all. Yeah. You know, it, it um kind it was, of... They were just and, so
0: bad. It's like they just could care less. That's what I got from it. It was like, oh, you're here? Okay, good. Um, what do you want? And then you yeah. had to wait forever for your food to show up. You never got yeah. a refill on your drinks, or even asked if your food was good. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes me a greedy capitalist that I expect somewhat decent service. Damn you and your (laughs) standards. I know. And the same thing... I mean, the same thing kind of happens in India, too. Like, you're hit or miss with with service in India, and nobody's in a rush at all to do anything. (laughs) It's all Indian time, is what they call it.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean... There's a time and a place for all of that. And so just another example, like while I was in Costa Rica, everybody runs on what they call Tico time. And so I was studying abroad there and I lived with the host family and I walked to my campus where I had classes and I was always on Tico time. Like I relaxed to the fullest extent that I could. And I think that was, you know, enriching for me too, because I am a little bit like need to get this need to be here by then. Not that I'm punctual, honestly, like, I've got a real problem with punctuality, but, um, and I think I just beat myself up more about it than I should or have to, but, because, you know, I do live in this American world where punctuality does matter more, and people do run on a tighter schedule, and there is more to do and get done. Um, But I think, in some ways, like, like I said, there's a balance to be found, but it almost... It, there's nothing wrong with kind of demanding more and demanding better and seeking, constantly seeking improvements. hmm
0: Yeah. That's the American exceptionalism. I think is that especially within, because we have more of a capitalistic economy, there's a mentality that, well, this is good, but how can we get it better? How can we make like, we're making a lot of money, but let's see if we can make more. Which is considered greedy, but it's more of less about like, well, we're doing well, but we could do better. How much better can we do? It's always about improving. And I don't know if other cultures see it that way. You know, and that's not bad. I mean, that's fine. We need to have a little, we need to probably have a little bit of a different in in the world, a mentality about that kind of thing. But it does, you know, when you live in that society, you do kind of get a little bit spoiled with you know having access to all of that stuff right there you know
1: at the click of at the snap of your hands yeah but like i think um so to me and to maybe trigger some people um so that's kind of where donald trump's whole thing about make america great again i think it's not something that should i you know obviously the media media takes it told you all it was racist but um It really just, to me, like I was thinking about it while I was abroad and, you know, the idea of just us being different and us being a culture that sort of strives and asks for more and um, not in a greedy, not necessarily in a greedy way, but just like, how can we do this better? And, you know, so there's more freedom for people to improve upon other companies or other services like. And so I think that it's, like, totally enriched and embedded in our culture. And maybe the idea of it not being so great right now, because um, I guess, you know, Donald Trump's still making it greater againer, right? Like, we're still <laughs> in the process because he's got a, another campaign coming up, is um, I don't I, – I think the sentiment that would probably uh, register with a lot of people that may have voted for Donald Trump was that we weren't celebrating – our Americanism. We weren't celebrating what made us different from the rest of the world. We kind of were starting to adopt more European culture ideas and ideals. Mm -hmm. And it's like that, it might have felt like people were going back in time or not progressing but regressing to something that has proven to not really work as effectively as our system of more freedom showed. Well,
0: you had sent me a text about, or not a text, but a uh, tweet that somebody had put in about how how ridiculous it was that we Americans have to subscribe to these agreed upon ideas, and you were like, "Yeah, that's the point." You know, that's point? America's not a okay. To be an American does not mean that you are a specific race or a religion. Um, or that you even come from a specific culture per se, it's a agreed upon set of ideas of more freedom, you know, freedom of speech, allowing people the right to defend themselves against their own government, and um, the right to uh, privacy, uh, the right to, um, what was the amendment for, I can't remember, or what, I'm trying to think of what it was called, but you're basically, you know, you're being Yeah, notified. it is more like
1: privacy. Yeah, um, okay. Not being um, unlawfully searched or seized your person's property papers. So, yeah,
0: I mean, you have all these individual rights. Now, some will argue, are those rights natural rights? Are we born with those rights? Or are those rights given to us by the government? Well, I was born after the Constitution was written and established, so I don't really care (laughs) either way. That's what our nation was based upon. Those were the ideas that um, we all agreed upon. And um, so... I think that's a lot better than, per se, like, you know, coming from another culture where um, the, uh, na- the national identity is primarily going to be, like, your race or your religion, um, you know? And, I, and I'm thinking particularly right now, because, like, my uh, my husband's side of the family, half, he's half Chinese, and so there's, like, a big Chinese identity that comes with being Chinese. Is the way you look in the way you dress it's the way you carry yourself and it's all these things that really you're born with that you have no choice of but not that that's a bad thing I'm just saying that's just their identity but but America is set apart it's supposed to be something different and we should definitely not have any reason to be when we go abroad to be ashamed of our culture or our country and I don't know why we've gotten to this point where we have to be you know ashamed of being an American based off of who our president is. Because, guys, we change presidents every four to eight years. Our identity should not be wrapped up in our president.
1: Yeah. And then also, like, if you're actually paying attention to big picture things, it doesn't even matter who the president is. And or it shouldn't matter who the president is. But so for me, when I'm abroad, especially now that I'm a little bit more woke, um is that and i mean like you know libertarian woke like real life woke not just like giving blind, kids blinded by <laughs> the need to decide what everybody's race is or get, let care what everybody's gender is for that day or not that kind of woke the woke that doesn't it only kind of drives you further into further isolation but mm-hmm. like the woke with the big picture is that what makes me embarrassed about being abroad is what my government does abroad. Right. Not at all What who my president is. And okay, so those things might go hand in hand sometimes, but it's like, I... Okay, so here's an anecdote real quick. Like, um, so the... And actually, like, you know, me being abroad, um, it's always better when I'm with other people because I'll probably go off on some anarchist tangents where <laughs> nobody can relate, and, you know, it's just... It, I don't know. I spend a lot of time in my own head. But then, so we're in a taxi in Ireland, had just landed there after I was there in Scotland a few days with my sister. Then, like I said, we met it with the rest of our family that came over to do the week in Ireland. So I'm in the taxi, and the taxi driver, we're just talking about the trip, what we've got planned, where we're staying, blah, blah, blah. And of course, like, every conversation that gets you past, um... Hi, how are you? What are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. Like, where are you from? America? Oh, there comes the Trump question. Okay, so, you know, the Trump question came up, and we kind of just, like, my family's more sympathetic to Trump because, well, one, we realized Hillary Clinton is the most evil human being that probably, uh, she's top, like, ten globally, I'd say. Top three, maybe, nationally. I don't know there's a lot of dark and evil people but she seems to be connected to a lot of them favorably so um and so you know we're talking to this cab driver and he was saying something about how you know the people of dublin or wherever whatever city in ireland where his he was coming to visit as president trump um they were protesting him his arrival and i was just like they let war crimes, war criminals from all, all the past decades and past presidents, they're allowed to come, and nobody makes protests about them appearing. And so, of course, like, as soon as you try and talk about how bad war is, maybe everybody shuts up, but, um, which is weird, because mm-hmm. that should be the most easy, obvious thing to lash out against, but, um, but, you know, it's, that was just, like, a tiny microcosm of how other people seem to focus on certain things that I don't think matter that much where I just want more people to be alive in the world. Right. Um, Not slaughtered, but,
0: and, But, you know, what's weird is I just, what I don't understand about other countries and maybe it's because we just, as Americans, don't realize how much of a reach we have all all over the world in so many different areas, like, economically and, um, you know, Politically and just war because of our involvement in war. Um, But I don't understand why, like, especially in England or just in the UK in general, why there's protesting against our patient or our president. (laughs) Uh, Like, why? Because, like, if Theresa May showed up to New York, there's not. I mean, who's who all is going to protest Theresa May or this Boris Johnson,
1: you know? Well actually this day and age a lot of people will probably show up and protest them. I I just don't think that we lef- would care as much. Will. You and I might not care, but I think the leftists would certainly be there. I think that th- there would be like
0: some, but I just don't think it would be near as big as as what Trump gets when he goes anywhere. And I just No,
1: that's definitely true. He is I just his don't own get it like level.
0: You worry, like, seriously, UK, you guys need to worry about yourself because you guys got a lot of loose ends to tie up, too, okay? Like, For I'll sure. admit, our stuff, we got stuff to work on, but you guys need to protest maybe your own government <laughs> instead of ours.
1: But No, I, I, I think that, too. I think, um, you know, another thing I've experienced, uh, especially from other former British colonies, like, people from Australia maybe, and or people, like, from, like, I know people from Australia and from Scotland. Um, I've worked with them when I was in Chile. We were all, and New Zealand as well, like, we were all um, the the native English speakers there to teach English to Chileans and whatnot, so. um, But there's, like, this arrogance that the other people from other countries look at us and they're like oh well you know you guys should do this better and okay i understand that because we almost kind of do set everything to a higher standard that we are supposed to be the beacon on the hill that is the example for the rest of the world and i know just how many ways we've effed up yeah over the course of our country's very short history relative to you know other certain other countries but it's like that arrogance I kind of can't stand because I'm just like, you couldn't last in America because you're in this complacent culture where, you know, it's assumed that you're going to be taken care of and that somebody it's going to be somebody else's problem to take care of you, um, provide everything for you. And so we don't have that necessarily here. And a lot of people want to fight for that here where I don't understand because that's actual the opposite of, of progress. Yeah, um, and we're here fighting for a, an actual, more actually progressive world which mm-hmm. is so ironic because people who label themselves as progressive today are certainly not pro-progress but it's that arrogance, I try to not be er- overly arrogant and just try to appreciate things um, more so and keep an open mind while I'm abroad but it, it definitely Stares you in the face in a lot of things, in a lot of ways.
0: Well, um, I was just going to say, you know, I was thinking about... Um, I had... Before you got, you got back from Scotland, I had just... I think I was recording, actually, the day that you got back. You were flying back from Ireland. Um, I recorded an episode about just traveling abroad and the dangers of that. Because I was talking about that um, Somali... A reporter who wanted to go back to Somalia and show how beautiful it was amongst other examples and about just how so many young women just go to these other countries without really doing a lot of research and realizing how dangerous those cultures are for women to travel alone. Um, Now, I'm assuming Scotland and Ireland, that's not going to be the case, but, you know, you've traveled to Chile and um, Mm -hmm. Costa Rica and I've been to Costa Rica mm-hmm. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk around some places there at night, especially San Jose.
1: <laughs> that place is oh, freaking God. scary. Yeah. No, actually <laughs> quick story of why we were just so scared of this one night, really like the first month we were all down in um, Costa Rica, the first month of the semester we were spending there, um, we were studying in a, at a university, a just a few hours outside San Jose over in San Ramon. And so the chili peppers came to town. And so they were on my musical bucket list. And I mean, so the, well, there was a small group of us that we were able to hire a car and take us to San Jose, um, wait for us uh, at the con- at the concert venue, and then was going to drive us home afterwards. And so God, that was just The concert was one of the best things ever, except it was just also really awkward and different, um, trying to, uh, stay upright while people were trying to mosh to Under the Bridge, but, you know, that's another story. Um, and so, we were in a very small, tight-knit group, and all of a sudden, you know, we lost one of the girls in our group. We couldn't find her the entire rest of the concert. We waited where we had initially parked to go in. We all, we were there for hours after the concert because it was like, what the hell do you do? Like she didn't have a phone. She barely spoke Spanish at that time in the beginning. Oh God. Um. So it was, it was just very scary uh, for all of us. And luckily she was okay. And she ended up finding some other English speaking people and hung out with them all night and stayed over at their place and then was able to get a ride or figure her way back to San Ramon. But, like, everybody was like, no, we can't... So, one of the reasons we had to go home, though, was because even at the place we parked, by the time, like, it was that late at night, um, it was time to get out. Like, it was not safe to stay. So, it was just... And, I mean, there are places... I I live next to... I live near Baltimore. I try to avoid that place like the plague because it is the plague. Um, (laughs) but so just to your point of, you know, there are places and pockets really anywhere you would go, even in relatively safer, or like what you think is safer countries. Um, I think the best advice for anybody, man, woman, or child, but hopefully like don't send your children anywhere unsupervised, um, is just try to be alert and be aware of your surroundings. And Don't drink too much in a place you're not, like, comfortable with. And don't talk to... Don't give strangers more information than you really should. And, um, I don't know. Those are things that you have to talk to your kids about growing up, like, immediately. But, um...
0: Yeah, San Jose... I My story about San Jose is really disturbing. And my husband was, like, trying to get me to shut up. Because this is when we were just dating. We just... This was our first, like, overseas trip together. And, um... Romantic vacation. Oh, yeah. we were Well, we had this whole, we were going to go, I don't know if you've heard of, um, okay, I just completely blanked on where we stayed. It was on the Caribbean side. Um, mm-hmm. Playa de Cocles was the uh, beach that we stayed at. Um, okay. It was south of Limon.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: So you had to pass through Limon, too. But yep. our, we um, flew into San Jose, and we were supposed to the next night, or the next morning, get a bus trip to... Um, all the way down to, um, where we were staying in, um, on the Caribbean side. Mm -hmm. And, um, that I was like, you know, I, whenever I go to a new place, a new city, the best, the thing I like, I want to do is explore the city. I want to walk around. I don't want to stay in Mm -hmm. the hotel. But when we got to the hotel, it was pretty clear. This is like a prostitute place. Like, my husband basically... A brothel? Had, I think it's a place where guys Como take... say se say
1: brothel. They
0: take the prostitutes... They take them there to spend the night or, you
1: know, for a few hours. Oh, whatever. yeah, yeah. And right. So one of those, like, motel sixes.
0: Yeah, it was a cheap hotel. Phil was like, we're just going to stay there one night. He didn't think anything of it. And then, like, we see all these... I'm not even kidding you. I seriously think there was, like, underage sex trafficking going on there.
1: I wouldn't Um, be surprised.
0: It was these little girls were like little girls. I mean, not as little, like teenagers at least, but still, it was really disturbing. And like men who were like grandfathers, like it was gross. And I remember, uh, I think that really what was going on is these girls are basically, they're getting drinks and a free meal from these guys and then they have to perform and then they get to go home. So you know, mm. or wherever they went, they come from. But it was like, at least the the restaurant there was pretty decent. So that the, I just saw these men ordering food for these girls. It's probably the best meal they've had in a while. It's just so it's sad. Just sad. Yeah. So sad. And I'm like looking at this, and my husband is just like, shh, because he knows that I am oh. very opinionated, yeah. and. uh I was like what is going on I was like how old is she I was like asking these questions out loud and he's like it doesn't matter shut up (laughs) so um, and we did go for we did walk around the city at night which I looking back that was probably the stupidest thing we ever did because everywhere we were there were prostitutes on this they were literal prostitutes you know making money you know that we saw like nothing really touristy where we were it's all that is in that section of town was prostitutes. And I was like, did you, look up, did you look up the hotel we were staying at at all? Was that the last
1: time he was in charge of uh, <laughs> yes. vacation plans? Yeah. All right. Thank you, honey. Like, good effort. But um, we're going to stay somewhere where it's not the red light district and, and the child sex ring.
0: The things we heard that night, just let me just say, we didn't sleep very well. There were some pretty disgusting sounds.
1: Oh, I, so nope. I've yeah, got way, too, way too graphic of a, an imagination for that.
0: So, yeah. So, yeah, I picked out the place we were staying at at, at the um, at the destination at um. Oh, gosh, I wish I could remember this name of the city that we stayed in. But the beach was beautiful. We split. We stayed at a at a bungalow. So where hmm. we stayed was like in the jungle in the, in a bungalow. I mean, it was pretty awesome. No, yeah, no air, no air mean, conditioning, but I mean, of course not. We stayed in no. October, so it wasn't
1: too bad. I mean, so I love Costa Rica and would definitely go back. But um, I nothing is perfect and nowhere is pristine. I guess is something safe to say. Um, and so another just like interesting thing that we could talk about, or I don't know, like that might connect to certain things. Um, but. What was interesting was that Costa Rica doesn't have a national army. Mm-hmm. And so that was back when I was more of a conservative and definitely more like, I don't want to say pro-military or anti-military, because that makes it seem like you're pro or against the people that are actually within the service. But I was definitely pro a lot more, like, neocon-esque in that, how do you not have an army? Like, you gotta go, like, do things abroad and Yeah. you know, you gotta fight (laughs) for your freedoms in the Middle East or, like, I don't know, dumb dumb things that, um, once you have a second to think about um, where your freedoms actually are being (laughs) eroded, which is at home, um, it's like, who's fighting for our freedoms there? Except for, like, you know, people like Michael Meharry, and yeah. uh, Tenth Amendment Center. Shout out. But, uh, yeah, so I just thought that was an interesting thing. And meanwhile, like, now that I'm more of a non-interventionist, voluntarist, libertarian, I think that might, might actually be a good thing. I mean, like, wasn't it something that George Washington and their founding fathers were really opposed to ha- us having a standing army? Like, we were all supposed to be... Armed, if if by choice, armed citizenry yep. in order to defend ourselves, defend ourselves against, uh, you know, attackers, against a tyrannical government, um, a, the wilderness, because it was a wilderness when yeah. we got here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we weren't supposed to have a standing army. We weren't supposed to have all these branches of services that are permanently stationed abroad like how many how many bases alone are surrounding the country of iran right now like 30 something right Mm -hmm. if you look at a map that's excessive so oh so here we go like back it brings me back to things that i'm embarrassed about when i go abroad um so (laughs) you know while i was sitting there we were at a bar one night it was like our last night in town and um this group of guys on a stag party or a bachelor party, they were just definitely already. Oh, like we found out later that they had been drinking all day, so they were just on another level of us. But um, so <laughs> oh, seating seating was limited, and they someone at the in the group at at this table in this corner where we were all hovering and standing and trying to find room, and figuring out where to go. They gave up they offered uh, my family the table. And so, sure enough, we sat right in, we cleaned it up, and got, you know, we busted ourselves, we, my mom had me steal a rag from the, over the bar, which was, I hated every minute of it, but I grabbed it, wiped the table, we put the the rag back, we did it ourselves. And, um, we were homesteading, you know? In our opinion, here we are, we're we're kind of homesteading. We had to make that table our home, right? Yeah. meanwhile, other guys in the group didn't get that didn't get the memo like they were they thought we stole their table and so they were coming up to us really like offended and they're like you know introducing themselves where are you from Are you from america okay so you just like commandeer this you just like what do you think this is iran or and i was just like whoa so like if anything is to to, was to trigger me it was kind of that in that like that's our reputation that we are imperialistic we are the we are the great britain of today
0: yeah, that is something that drives me crazy. Um, I wish that... I mean, especially when I went to the Middle East even back in 2000. You know, you have these... Uh, mm. You know, when you go to a restaurant in Jordan um, or you're just waiting in line for some, you know, for tickets to, to get on uh, on the, the train or something. And... You see people looking at you and, like, kind of rolling their eyes and kind of just like, oh, the American tourists, they just think they own everything, you know? Um, You do, I kind of understand that a little bit because it's like, especially when we were in the Middle East and um, especially when we were in Israel, you know, it's kind of hard not to understand why people might not like us so much over there. You know? It's one of the things that makes... That area
1: in particular,
0: for sure. And it makes me nervous because um, I don't know... I haven't traveled outside of the country in a while since I've had kids. And I think, you know, I don't know if I want to do that for a while. Because I don't know what how we... Right now, I don't think we're very popular overseas, especially.
1: So, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like different experiences I've had um honestly like the Chileans um Costa Ricans whenever and even while I was abroad just now in Scotland or Ireland like they didn't have anything against me if anything people might have like more recently this recent trip because the Trump first Trump campaign like was taking place towards my the end of my Chile stint but um so me as an American, I was always um, received very well, which I was very uh, lucky and or like happy to hear and happy to feel that they were actually receptive to me and like they liked me and um, so. But you know, so when I was saying you know Ireland, Scotland recently, it was what they didn't have anything against me. It was but they immediately had questions about Donald Trump mm-hmm. and um and or it goes back to the kind of arrogance thing where. Um, they think they've got things figured out um, and, like, how to fix our country. And while I don't think our country should be telling any other country like what they should be doing, especially through the force that we've been inflicting upon other countries, like, that's not how you show people what the better options are. Um, But, you know, it's not even about showing people what the better options are. It's really about, like, drugs and central banking. But... (laughs) like poppy fields, uh, hello Afghanistan, Vietnam. Right. But, um, but so it was fun, like another, just like anecdote, anecdote was, uh, Scott rail, uh, totally screwed us. And my sister and I were supposed to take like what was supposed to be about a three and a half hour train ride from Inverness down to Glasgow, our last night in Scotland. And so, you know, we kind of, we took an earlier train. We figured, you know, just in case there is any delay, we'll still be taking the earlier one. and We'll get to Glasgow. We'll be able to relax and enjoy the city um, and kind of just regroup before we head over to Ireland to meet the fam. Just a nice relaxing night. Well, so, um, Scott Rail, <sighs> which, you know, was a private company that doesn't mean things are perfect just like private schools aren't perfect compared to public schools as we kind of discussed or you discussed um with the teacher while you were away and um, i i definitely would like to i've got a private school teacher that i'd like to maybe interview and so we'll talk about that later but um anyway that three and a half hour journey turned into about a 12 hour journey because their infrastructure was so poor that um they weren't receiving signals from other trains to tell them if, there was, if they were on or off the track, so they had to stay in these safer periods, places on the track, where they knew they wouldn't get hit by another train if there happened to be one, and then all of a sudden, like, we find out that there was flooding, and then so we got diverted to just the, the first train station after Inverness, which was 30 miles. It took us three hours to go 30 miles. Oh, my God. So we get off there, and then they were supposed to find a bunch of buses to bring us all to various, like, main center points, like, whether it was to the Perth station, the Glasgow station, Edinburgh, and then, so, they were able to, they said something like 15 to 20 buses. Okay, yeah, maybe three showed up, and none of them were entirely filled with our oversold train. Mm hmm Um, so the bus thing got... At, we waited for hours for those buses that didn't come and then it became like late and the Perth station like the next closest station they had all shut down or like they were done for the night or whatever or like you just would have missed your follow up trains from there and so then the next idea was to really call like every taxi in the area and bring the taxis to pick us up and so again it it took us wow. from yeah um, about like 9 o'clock this is when we finally, my sister and I finally got, uh, shepherded into a taxi and caught a ride to Glasgow with, uh, this couple, this woman, she worked for the NHS, the National Healthcare System, and it was interesting to hear her complaining about how she's overworked, they're understaffed, they're, um, just as as can be, and she was, like, having all these complaints, and then she was like, but I can't imagine, like, what it would be like in a private system, and I was like lady like she's had options she uh, Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome yeah
0: she doesn't understand I mean our healthcare system definitely needs work I mean I could talk about our healthcare system for an entire e- episode if you need me to I have, yeah, a fr- we, pro- I have a, we probably should sometime I have a friend who's a nurse too and we could talk about all the stuff that we've dealt with because we've been in different areas of nursing and just every, mm-hmm. every little ridiculous thing that we've seen But Mm -hmm. I will tell you, like, one of the biggest things that drives me crazy about American nurses is just how quickly they are so ready to go into, you know, a single-payer system and and go the full socialist route. And they always complain about not getting paid well enough. I mean, almost every other post is about how—this is on my private nursing groups—is about Mm -hmm. how—who gets paid what, who gets paid better in each state, and— how many patients is normal on each floor? You know, we have, like, a ratio of, like, nurse-to-patient ratios that we talk about a lot, um, depending on what area of nursing on and what floor you're working on in the hospital. And nobody seems to think that it's fair or they have enough time to do everything they need to get done in a shift. It's it's just – and everybody hates administration. Everybody hates um, – The patients um, are more demanding, have more pain, or are more sick. It's just, like, ridiculous. And they think that it will be better somehow if they just give all of that over to an entity that probably has no experience working in nursing whatsoever.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know why on earth you would hand over all the power, the, the the one ring to rule them all, to the exact entity that is crippling the structure of healthcare. Like, the Mm -hmm. reason that everything is becoming more restricted and not for good. Like, I don't know why you would hand over the keys of your car to your, not even your friend, but, like, your crazy drunk neighbor. Like, I don't even know. You don't want to, you're not related to him. But, uh, he's there to not wreck your car. I don't know. It's just like...
0: Well, and to say that healthcare is a right... That really offends me because then you're saying that I'm basically, I am obligated to to work for free. Yeah, I'm obligated to serve you for free. No, thanks. I deserve to be paid money to do what I do because I do a lot more than what you guys think. I don't just deliver coffee and, you know, you know, put band-aids on your boo-boos. I have to do (laughs) a lot of things that are disgusting. I've literally had to put my hand up someone's butthole to poop, to get poop out of it. Okay? Oh, I believe if, that. Because if I didn't, her colon would have burst. And then that would have caused a whole bunch of other issues. So there are things that I deserve to get paid for. And I think that if I'm going to be putting my hand up someone's butt, I need to get paid.
1: So, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that exactly goes. Like I don't have it on me right now, but um, something that because I was still, like, following social media. And um, real quick shout-out to our listener in Dublin. Catch you next time I'm there. But, God, how cool is that that we've got an international audience? I know. It's awesome. Love it. Hopefully, you know, maybe we'll um, keep expanding on that. And so while I'll say a quick, um, you know, sorry, everybody, that, you know, things haven't been as regular or consistent or always on time, Um, I think – kind of like a slight break or a slight hiatus in what we've been able to put out for you. Um, Definitely people were on Instagram that were following us because they thought our memes were funny Um, and were like, we liked their memes. Like we were having a nice meme relationship, but then they were like, (laughs) oh, you have a podcast? Oh, and I love it. (laughs) So um, shout out to all you people. But I don't know, just... Anyway, yeah, that was definitely not.
0: I mean, that all sort sort of blew up while you were out of the country. And it was kind of nice to see that because um, it made me really hyped so cool. up. Yeah, it was like it hyped me up for like when you got back because I was really like, you know, and also as weird as it is. But when sh- when we have a hiatus like that, it kind of having a little bit of that downtime gives me some time to think about other episodes that we can we can do and other ideas we can explore as well, so.
1: Yeah, no, it kind of, um, so another quick shout out to people who are loving us on Instagram, Yo Carrie Wedler, when she was on Tom, when she was on Tom Woods' episode, he was asking her, like, why don't you have a podcast, and she said something like, I don't want to just have a podcast and put out content that I'm not 100% behind, or I'm not, like, as fully involved in, I don't want to put out content just to put out content, and I was like, you know what, like, I feel that, and so, when we had our kind of, like, break or we just slowed down for a bit, I, like you just said, it almost, like, recharged us. And so that's why I'm, like, despite I'm sick, and I don't know if anybody can hear or tell, or hopefully I don't sound like this normally because I feel very congested and disgusting. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to hold back on all my coughs, even though Cam could totally edit my coughs out. But, like, um, you know, it it, give, it gave me a chance to... Reflect on other things and think, and get back in my head a little bit, and because I'm definitely the kind of person that spends a lot of time in my head thinking about things, and so being able to regroup with myself and then come back to America and regroup with you, Jesse. I think that was, you know, we all needed a little vacation. It's summertime.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I think that that's just normal, though, you know, because people are going to be out of town over the summer and stuff like that. So hopefully, we'll get more back into a normal routine as the uh, fall hits and everything, so. Yeah.
1: Well, just something else, like, I don't want to go on a huge long tangent about, but um, it kind of relates to things we were already talking about, but just more specifically, like, um, any crime I was experiencing abroad or witnessed, and just the idea of crime rates and how it seems as though... Maybe certain countries are safer than the American, or than America, um, because their crime rates are lower, or, but honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with just not being over-policed, like, we are here, Mm -hmm. and there is, there might be, in some ways, less freedom and more laws, like, on the books, but they're not over-policed. I saw maybe one cop the whole time I was there, and, like, we could maybe do this another episode, but you know, those cops don't have guns. They don't have... You couldn't pay me to be a cop that honestly didn't have a gun, I'm sorry. But obviously then I also wouldn't be a cop because <laughs> I don't think that... I'm not really for, like, the violent enforcement of laws, especially laws that I don't believe in, so I'd have a real... They'd fire me immediately. They, they wouldn't let me in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just, like, a, just like I will never be on a jury because I'm all for jury nullification. Whereas oh, yeah. Could, yeah, so, like... We could talk about the same that. For reason. We, I'd love to talk about that I sometime. I think Carrie...
0: Actually, speaking of Carrie Wedler, um, she has a...
1: I think she has a YouTube video about that. So... I believe it. Yeah, no, she's smart. Um. But yeah, so, I don't know. That was just something that I noticed. And in some... And I think in a lot of ways... Not being over-policed would be a great thing, and it's just, like, similar, I feel similarly about, you know, the fact that we're overtaxed. They're overtaxed too, but they don't really see it as much because it seems to just be, they're used to it, maybe. Whereas yeah. here, it's just, like, everything's a tax, everything's more, they're demanding more taxes now, and it's just, like, it, it cripples a person.
0: Yeah, I I definitely feel like that like you said there's a Stockholm syndrome that's going on throughout Europe and some places are waking up to it. Like France is still having like the um
1: the yellow vesters, the yellow
0: vesters Yeah, they still have that going on. Complete
1: media blackout. I yeah. haven't heard about that in months. Yeah, But the fact that it's still going on mm-hmm. is amazing and that just goes to show that they are trying to squash that from getting out to the public.
0: Yeah. Um, and my mom was in France um, just a few months ago and they were still having protests over there. So, I mean, I think more and more people are waking up and realizing they don't want to be taxed, ha- you know, so much. And um, Europe in general, um, they're going to see, um, they're going to have a huge issue with uh, their economies falling apart because they can't sustain themselves with what they're doing.
1: Look at Greece.
0: Yeah. Well, Greece was just a warning and nobody listened. So. Yeah.
1: Especially the Greeks.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they're still not, they're still not getting it. And it's and no. I, I think that they think that they can be kind of like America and take in all these um, refugees and these immigrants and that they're just going to, it's all going to work out. But they don't have the same basic principles that we do. It's like, if you come here you are going. To, you have to agree upon these ideas. Like we were just talking about at the beginning of the podcast. They don't require that of their immigrants. So I think that that's where it's going to fail. You have to be willing to have an agreed upon idea of how we should live in our society. If you don't and have also that.
1: I, and I think like because we're kind of becoming more of that where we say, you know, oh, you can come here, but you can be exactly who you were at home. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, okay, like, as a person and as an individual, yes. But, like, also, you're not going to have the same structure behind you. And for better or for worse, it's different. And so, I, you know, when we come... It's supposed to be... We were and are still a melting pot. But, you know, we've still had... We we're all under the same umbrella in that we we're all here to do one thing. And that was to make the best lives for ourselves possible. Uh And it was our individual job to do so. Right. Like, it wasn't going to be handed to us. A lot of people went home. When they first immigrated to America, there wasn't a welfare state. They decided they didn't like it. They couldn't make it. They went home. Yeah. They went back to their countries where they were able to, you know, well continue their lives as they were before.
0: It's all about, in, in America... We still have the majority of the country understands that it's about individual rights. It all begins with individual. Um, and other countries around the world, they have a more of a collectivist idea that you have to think about the you have to think about the country, what's best for the country first, and then yourself, or what's best for your family and then yourself. Um, we have it the other way around, and I would have to say it's been pretty successful so far, even though we've had plenty of people trying to dismantle that idea. But I think that if we can, you know, get our, our voices out and like you said, not have this media blackout everywhere, get our voices out and talk about how that individual mentality actually helps the collective in the long run, then, you know, we, we might actually have a better world that we all can live in and still have our individuality. You know, we don't, have to make everybody like America but
1: no exactly I mean it kind of like just to look at biological principles and or what we see play out in nature is that genetic variety is what it makes a population healthier Um, that that's why like a bunch of incestual beings or animals you know like the cheetahs they became so extinct that all the chili all the cheetahs that are alive today are so uh, so related Mm -hmm. that you know if there was one thing to come in and wipe them all out it would and so you know the variety really is that spice of life diversity when you're actually taking into account and not just make it superficial like what color is your skin but just diversity of ideas um and being able to work voluntarily together um and search for kind of what um cohesively connects people but yeah. yep. when you're forced, when you're all but, I don't know, I'm kind of going off on a, I think I'm getting too hot up here in my attic, but <laughs> I, what I was going to say is make the individual great again. Yes, <laughs> because, there Because like the strong individual will always make for a better, um, more productive and safer in the long run collective when you do group everybody together, but you know, we are individuals and I think, like, the celebration of that is something that America was founded upon, um, you know, wasn't perfect then, wasn't perfect after the abolition of slaves, isn't perfect now, but it's, boiling back to those, I think, like I said, the most most times I'll try and be, or I'll end up being the most patriotic or pro-America is when we talk about just the founding principles, because they were more about the individual excelling, and... Yeah, when individuals can excel, they're more likely to be able to contribute to the rest of the right of the group of the collective. I mean,
0: since we can't live in a you know anarchy utopia, we have to live in what we have right now, and I think that we're lucky where we are now is closer to freedom as what as much as possible, and I much rather. It, every time I go overseas, I definitely feel it and um and it's just a it's it's just like you can tell like when you're talking to people they just don't get it they don't have that mentality that american um that freedom that you just feel where you know that if you work hard and you put the effort into it you can succeed the only person in your way is yourself kind of thinking that's something that not everybody has i mean and if we're not careful We're going to lose ourselves to that same collective ideology where it's like there's so many people that want to fight against the bootstraps. They want to say, you know, there really are people that are suffering and they really can't pull themselves out of this and that. And I think that is a defeating and useless way to think. And it doesn't it's not. I mean, what good does that even do to think that way?
1: And or I think it's mostly just like that is very true. And I wouldn't argue against that. But. It's all about people's solution to that problem. Oh, you think the government that actually crippled those people... Yeah. ...is going to be the best solution to get those people out of poverty? No. The trillions of dollars we've spent in the war on poverty, quote-unquote, for the past however many decades now... It's like, what, the 70s? mm mm-hmm. that LBJ? Great Society? The war on poverty has made people more poor, right? And it's, like, increased the inequality between people because, it, again, it's like that intervention... And the unintended consequences of more government intervention in any given program or area of the economy—it's going to take away freedom. Right. And that freedom is how people kind of do find their way to pull up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It does give them options to climb the ladder that um, they might not have been given. Yeah. That they were definitely weren't given. But it like puts different rungs on the ladder for them to use to get out of that hellhole.
0: Well, I'm glad that you're back in America, and me too. <laughs> but um, I think we should probably end it here. Um, I did mention to Maddie that I think we should try this new thing called the Stunning and Brave Corner, where we <laughs> we give so a sh- stunning, we give so a brave give a shout out to another podcast or it doesn't have to be a podcast, but to any individual who we think is doing a great job at bringing the Liberty movement to, to the population. Um, and I was just going to say that, um, we need to just, uh, give a listen to thank you for your servers. I mean, these guys, they are kind of above my head a little bit because they're they they know a lot about technology and about computer science and stuff like that that I don't understand. And they are able to kind of chat it out and make it more uh, for someone like me something that's easier to understand and interesting. And they bring up uh, definitely issues that uh, are going on right now in technology that we need to think about and be aware of. So um, that show is ho- is hosted by thaddeus preston and gary guthrie so give them a listen and,
1: yeah and we love them not just because they're part of our podcasting network the mlga podcast network but because they're great people they're very insightful they're very thoughtful and they're stunning their and brave. words and they're so stunning and brave
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right um and then also you can follow us on Twitter at Voluntary. No, sorry. Vixens Voluntary. Um, and then you can follow us, obviously, on Instagram at Vixens. Or Voluntary Vixens. Gosh, I'm getting it backwards. Um, and then uh, what else? Facebook, Voluntary Vixens on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And our Gmail account is VoluntaryVixens at gmail.com. And then our Patreon is capital V's Vixen underscore voluntary anything
1: else yeah um no I'd say that's it but uh we'll talk to everybody soon just send us it. some love we love all of you and we'll in the meantime just keep it sane keep it peaceful and keep it voluntary Bye-bye. bye 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 bye